Good morning with me, Sham. And on front page, we cover current affairs at the moment. Our Today, our uh, panellists will be Prabha Ganesan, a columnist for a news daily and also chief executive of an NGO called Kwasa. And Pauline, former journalist and lecturer at a private university. How are you two doing this morning? Very well on the last day of the year. Yeah, yeah it's great. It's yeah. exciting. Ups and downs in this year. We'll see one of the things that are covered in this year as uh, also Muhyiddin Yassin, the um, Home Minister has said that uh, they're trying to uh, go with a holistic approach to sort out the illegal immigrants problem over here. They've even gone on, they got a target, they've even got a motto, they want to go on a zero immigrant level and a lot of these immigrants, they, they come to Malaysia to work, obviously. Now, would sending them home in such a large number result in a lack of uh, manpower for employees? Wouldn't, that, wouldn't employers see that? Maybe we'll start off with uh, Prabha. Uh, yes, it would. But more importantly, is the government really serious about it? Because every home minister in the last 30 years would say the same thing. Right. It's always important to look tough on immigration. But they are the heartbeat of our hospitality industry. So there's a larger question to be discussed. Philosophically, what is the future of migrants in Malaysia, employment versus employment for Malaysians? All right. Do you want to add anything to that, Pauline? I think that um, if you're sending back, right, have we worked with together with the industry, you know, the employers on whether there are there any alternatives, any solutions to that? Because we need manpower to work in certain industries, and are we encouraging them to automate? You know, that could be a solution. So, are we looking at just the solutions rather than just thinking of them as problems? All right. Solutions also comes with doing it the right way as well, and I think they they've started on the on the right path in terms of uh, trying to sort out this what you call the illegal immigrants. You see, there are immigrants, but there are also illegal immigrants over here. So they've they've launched this in August 1st, the B4G program, Back for Good program, which is due to end today before midnight, where this B4G, they are offering voluntary illegal immigrants to come over and just not say surrender yourself, pay a summon of 700 ringgit, and then uh, you just go home uh, back for good. And they they were targeting 300,000 applicants for this. They only got so far 130,000 signed up for this. Should this be extended, you think? Well, I'm not in the same ballpark in this issue necessarily. I mean, there are, depending on who you ask, different numbers come out, up to 6 million uh, migrants in this country. So if you're taking a fraction of that out, what are you actually trying to do with the situation? I really think it's it's window dressing, really. And most of the applicants in, in the story have been uh, Indonesians. And that's obviously because we sit in the bowl called Indonesia. And it might be actually an exit strategy for the moment and then they might return again after a period. So yeah. is it really about exit permanently or just a temporary? Right. You're very sceptical about this program that they have. What you want is, look, properly, you know, if they are illegal immigrants, they're not supposed to be here, just enforce it, you know? And Pauline, wh- what do you think? I think this is not the first time the government has this pro- some similar program to try to get the illegal immigrants to go back. And, you know, if you have an extension, right, it, does it show that the government is not serious about it? Uh, you know, deadlines should be met. Even my students know the deadlines. So why not, you know, the government enforce it? Yeah, yeah. It all goes back to, look, there are laws. Just follow it, you know. If there are uh, deadlines to certain discounts, okay, just stick to it. This is where we are concluding this, yeah? 
All right. Well, the Home Minister has said a holistic plan. Hopefully it goes through and hopefully it is done well. Is there even enough awareness of the safety standards required for child car seat? Um, well, I'm a not a parent myself, so I haven't really been following this issue very much. But I've seen a lot of discussions online. Yeah. Parents are sending information, asking whether this is suitable or not. And I know there are some people who actually buy and sell pre-loved, you know, so they yeah. help each other out. So I think that's a very useful thing. But these are online groups. The question now is that is everybody online are all parents aware so I'm not sure whether there's sufficient publicity offline you know to educate parents on what they should should or should not get. Yeah, so yeah. I think that's the, the concern here. Okay, what's clear, I think everybody knows that the fact that they are supposed to get child car seats uh, this year, uh, 2020, but the, the kind of standards, is, is there an issue with the way they convey their message? Right? Actually, I don't think everyone does know about you it. You don't think? No? no, no, I think in the little alleys of uh, English-speaking pocket in Klang Valley, that's a strong conversation. But for the B40, for the larger Malaysia, almost very few people actually know they have to do it. Let's be mindful that in the coming year, it's required that we need to also have rear seat belts. But they already introduced that in 2009. So 11 years later, people are still not using it. So just decreeing something, declaring from the top of the mountain, doesn't mean the Malaysian public will necessarily understand, uh, accept the values concept and comply. I think it's a no and no for me. Now, the government says they want to monitor child car seats sold online. How can the government practically and feasibly monitor child car seats sold online? Is it about reaching out to online shopping platforms or what do, you, what do you guys think of this? Uh, I think it's quite difficult to actually reach out to or I mean they can do that but um, how are they going to control it it's very difficult and there are a lot of online um, sellers that are overseas as well perhaps we could think of maybe doing something like and a seal of approval for example for electrical products we have Serum so could they have something like that similar to it some standards that the government sets and then at least people will know if they buy something that's not Serum approved then they know that this is, doesn't fulfil the standards so that could be one solution but um, we need to of course work with different ministries to set right. up the standards uh, excellent point by Pauline definitely you can standardise it that's what governments do regulate right. behaviour but it's dangerous when they want to start to I think the knee jerk statement somebody said they're selling cheap ones the minister somebody else would have said oh no no we're going to monitor it yeah but that doesn't mean real action it's, it's difficult and dangerous when you want to extend express and implicit liabilities on uh, online merchants and uh, so I guess it's not just about from what you're saying Prabha it's not just about a one particular issue here you need to solve every issue you even brought up about yeah. the back seat seat belts where you are right Prabha not, no one is actually wearing it now, if this is the aim, should there be cuts made across? I mean, the whole point about cutting is to save the government's money and things like that. Lah. And of course, if this is the aim, should there be cuts made across the board and not just in certain departments or areas? What do you think, Prabha? It's a question of what are you asking about. It's about elected representatives versus civil servants. And if you're talking about elected representatives, there are only 222 of them. Cutting that would not necessarily take a huge chunk from the annual budget of this country. It's nice and easy to talk about, but the real focus is, and I think what Malaysian public really expect, is for their politicians, their elected representatives, to do their jobs. I think the expectation is delivery rather than how much they're necessarily paid, as long as it's not excessive. But the real question is that. And I think what Said Sadiq's trying to do is try to win brownie points very quickly by saying, I want less money. But that's really not the problem. That's the red herring. What we need to do is take away politicians, MPs who have distractions, like holding positions in JLCs and other statutory bodies. 
that's taking their time away from the job they're doing as legislators. All right, so we're getting into jobs and things like that. Pauline, you want to add to that? Uh, I think that uh, I think last year the it was announced that there'll be a ten percent pay cut for ministers already. So if the purpose here is to save money, um, like what Prabha said, you know, the only small group of people, you know, yeah. who are the elected reps. So will it really help to save money? Right. You know, the question now is that we maybe need to rein in spending through other means. Like for example, every year the Auditor General, you know, has this whole list, laundry list of things that uh, that were um, sold, uh, bought, you know, at very high prices, etc. So maybe we could cut that instead, rather than looking at small ways of doing it. You know, look at overall systemic systemic thing. Yeah. So why is this this uh, discrepancy that we're asking? And does the health ministry really need more doctors, or do they not? We're trying to get to the bottom of this. What do you think, Pauline? Well, I'm not really familiar with the uh, healthcare industry, but one thing that I could thought of was that could it be also an allocation of resources? Maybe in certain areas there's that too many, and there's certain areas that isn't. So perhaps you know the ministry could look at overall and see you know overall in Malaysia and see whether they could allocate properly. You know, possibly that. Or the other question could be that are there budget constraints? You know. Maybe we need doctors, but there isn't enough budget to, you know, to employ them. So um, these are questions that came to my mind when I was looking at this topic. All right. Do you find this even weird? I mean, from what we're reading, Prabha, some say we don't have enough doctors, yet we have uh, fresh medical grad students are looking for a job and they haven't found some. Well, first of all, we're talking about public health care. Yeah. Uh, private health care operates separately. Yeah. But we're talking about public health care. We need an objective test, uh, information from the Public Service Commission on what is the exact number of doctors we need. I think there's a lack of clarity. Having said that, just because you become a doctor doesn't mean you have guarantee of employment as compared to any other profession. I don't think they need to be job-proofed, uh, unemployed-proof, these doctors. But we really need to find out what's the exact situation in the field. Government also may need to reconsider the way it structures public health care, you know, in the new world, in things like online technologies, portability, uh, mobility, and also question of point of care devices and whether or not you can have websites to offer uh, medical services to people. There's a whole new field, a world. One part of it is doctors, whether you get newer doctors or you get more doctors or experienced doctors. But the question of are we re-rationalizing our public health care? The answer to that, I think, is no. Okay, got it. And uh, also, uh, if government were to go ahead, okay, the first thing that comes to mind when it comes to when we talked about critical services allowances being cut, first thing that comes to mind is our doctor's allowances. Now, if the government were to go ahead with the cuts to critical services allowances, now, would that then make these stuffing woes yet worse. That's what we're thinking about there. What do you think, Pauline? Oh, well, I think that doctors do have to go through um, housemanship, so there will be people coming in. But the question now is that um, the senior doctors, the senior staff, you know, if you cut them, then there there could be a carrot to go elsewhere, you know, because there will be better opportunities in the private sector. And that's the risk we have. Are we going to have a public sector which is doesn't have sufficient senior doctors and specialists who could train the younger doctors? So, so to me, that would be a concern if that happens. All right. It's all about um, you know increasing this and cutting this. Uh, it's it's all some things that we all need to look at again and again and again and probably looked at it properly. Which policies are you both most eagerly anticipating in 2020 and why? Should we start with Prabha? Well, this emanates from the article from the Malay Mail, uh, the one that I write for. Uh, and that is you're asking what do you look forward to? Uh, most of them don't don't attract me. Maybe perhaps digital taxes, but most of them pretty much suck because they are about goodies and burdens. It seems like government is so focused on 
how we can give away to the people that we need their votes from and how we can take from the people that we believe we uh, who we can afford to burden. What would you have wanted to see? Something, an example of what you would, would What I would like to see is, and we talked about it earlier, right? We talked about healthcare, we talked about em- uh, employment. We need a plan for Malaysian employment versus migrant workers, automation, artificial intelligence. We need an idea on healthcare, how to re-rationalize our public healthcare. People are queuing up too long, not getting enough. And finally, education. Every Malaysian driving in their car right now to work are thinking about the future and about an, em- and an education uh, field that prepares us for an economy that doesn't exist yet. And that isn't a discussion about all the pettiness, it's a discussion about higher order thinking. So a comprehensive policy on any of those would be far more desirable than stopgap measures to win short-term votes. All right, thanks for that, Prabha. And uh, Pauline, what are you looking forward to in terms of policies, uh, something that you're eagerly anticipating in 2020 and why? Yeah, I like Prabha, I read the article too and I so thought that it was very piecemeal, like here and there, and it covers <laughs> everything but not <laughs> everything as well. And like I agree with Prabha, we should have a comprehensive, I don't see that coming out, comprehensive policy on perhaps education or perhaps economy. We don't have, we don't see the big picture we just see piecemeals but if you want me to choose from that laundry list in the article I would say that what excited me most was the fact that we finally have the child car seat safety you know policy coming up you know I've seen it being talked about and I um, a lot of before that a lot, a lot of cases where kids you know in accidents they fly off and they get they, and there's mortality you know in these accidents so I think that's something that excites me because finally we'll have um, a reduced risk you know a child would have a, a fighting chance to live you know in the event it gets into an accident so that would excite me well, I understand that whole child car seat. Uh, I mean, it's it's for the safety of people, you know. I understand that. But where we're getting at right now to include all this is like this: you come up with a policy like this for the safety of the people, for the good of the people. Now, what Prabha has an issue with, implement it well, you know, or, or do it well. I think that that's where we're coming from. Well, even if this government has difficulties, I suppose the last thing probably I would like to say for 2019, going to the new Wawasan 2020 future is maybe this government needs to learn to inspire its people. Maybe it's not about giving people money or taking away money from people, but maybe tell people that being a Malaysian is worthwhile. Got it. Prabha, inspirational. Thank you, Pauline. It's great to have both of you and Happy New Year to both of you. Thank you. Thank Thank you, guys. Have a good one.